Mike Green speaking with Jason Brown, professor in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics and the Faculty of Computer Science at Dalhousie University in Nova Scotia. Uh, we're, we're talking about the work you did, figuring out the cord that opens a hard day's night. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did? Yes, certainly. I knew that about 40 years ago, the Beatles wrote the song A Hard Day's Night that accompanied their uh, first movie. And the opening chord has always been a mystery to guitarists. Many guitarists over the years have tried to play the chord with varying degrees of success. Some sound closer to the original chord, some sound further. And I decided to apply some mathematics to try to uncover exactly how the Beatles played the chord. So uh, what I did was digitize part of the chord and then apply a Fourier transform to the data in order to decompose the chord into its component frequencies and amplitudes. And at that point, I began to make deductions based on what frequencies were heard loudest, realizing that some were the fundamental notes that were being played on the guitar, as well as harmonics and, and perhaps other things that might have been rattling in the room. And what I came to after a while was the fact that the chord, as I deduced it, was unplayable on guitar, and unplayable on, in particular on George Harrison's 12-string guitar. And even if I tried to apportion the notes to the other instruments that the Beatles played, the bass guitar that Paul McCartney played and the guitar that John Lennon played, it still was unplayable. And that left me with a conundrum. And it hit me all of a sudden that the answer had to have been that there was a piano in the mix of the chord. That deduction is based on the fact on how a piano is strung. It's strung rather uniquely. At the top end, there are three strings under each hammer, tuned in unison, or as close to unison as possible. Towards the middle, there are two strings under each hammer for each key, and at the bottom, there's one string. That played a crucial role in the uh, deduction I made, not only that there was a piano in the mix, but what notes specifically the piano played as opposed to uh, what notes were played on the other instruments. Then what you came up with is that it was George Harrison's guitar and with George Martin playing the piano? It was two Georges, yes. It was <laughs> George Harrison uh, playing his 12-string uh, Rickenbacker guitar, which was a brand-new guitar for him at that point, and George Martin playing a completely different chord on the piano. Uh, there were other notes played as well. Paul McCartney played a D note on his bass. That makes it really into a dominant chord. And as well, there's another note that I attribute to uh, John Lennon's guitar. But that was the deduction that I came to, and I think it says a lot about the Beatles and how they put the music first and how you can create a musical mystery without any hocus-pocus or uh, special effects on the uh, instruments or the tracks, but simply with the instruments that we all know. So in order to solve this mystery, you, you had to be pretty good in math to, to know about the Fourier transforms, but you also had to obviously know a lot about music. It's a combination, yes. You, you have to know about Fourier transforms and, and how, to, how to carry them out. But you have to know about music. You have to know a little bit about music theory, a little bit about chords, how instruments are strung, and as well what's playable on each instrument. And I had been a guitarist since my teens when I heard a Beatles record, and that sort of followed in parallel with my uh, interest and career in mathematics. And I guess like some of the best things that happened in research, at one point, both of these came together. And I think everyone who's pursuing research in mathematics should look at combining their various interests and see where that leads them. 
people have heard a lot that you know there's a correlation maybe between music and math, but a lot of people assume that music, oh, that's an art, and that's way away on the spectrum from mathematics. But but you you would disagree with that. I would disagree with that. I think the research is showing that both music and mathematics are not exclusively one hemisphere of the brain. I think people do think of uh, music as being mainly or almost exclusively emotional, the right side of the brain, and mathematics being analytical on the left side of the brain. But music requires a lot of analysis, and some of the most beautiful pieces of music are the most clever. And likewise, in mathematics, there's a huge aesthetic aspect to it, and every mathematician knows that the best compliment you can give to a piece of mathematics that they've done is that it's beautiful. So I think these are really... Both music and mathematics are mixes of a variety of parts of the brain coming together really in in glorious ways. There's a lot of creativity in mathematics that maybe non-mathematicians don't know about. Right. I think non-mathematicians and the, the public in general think of mathematics as being extremely dry and that there is nothing new under the sun, that everything that's been done in mathematics has been done centuries ago, and that there's no room for creativity. Well, Mathematicians who love mathematics love it for its creative aspects. They don't love it for the drudgery. And there are enormous opportunities to be creative in mathematics as much as there are opportunities in music or any of the arts to be creative. And I think we as mathematicians need to put that case out stronger to the uh, general public. I actually have a book called Our Days Are Numbered, which is aimed at the general public and letting them know how mathematics can increase their appreciation for life and can make them more creative. Another Beatles mystery you looked at is the uh, the authorship of the song In My Life. Right. I'm in the midst of that research right now, and it brings up an interesting question of music authentication. When you have a piece of music where the authorship is in question, how do you decide who more likely wrote that piece of music? There have been similar questions asked for sections of text uh, trying to decide authorship. I think it's a little more tricky when you talk about music. There is a much more limited set of symbols uh, to use. There are only 12 notes in the scale when you take into octave equivalent, and there are relatively few chords. So we're looking for patterns and probabilities amongst all the data. But it seems clear to me that musicians and songwriters like Paul McCartney and John Lennon while people assume that they wrote similarly because they wrote together, well, actually they wrote a fair bit differently. And what I'm trying to hone in uh, quantitatively is on those differences. And I'm hoping in the end to get a probability for each of who might have likely written this song. And you've written music yourself. You've written a song that is in the Beatles style, uh, A Million Wise, That's which we heard at the beginning. Right. One of the things that I try to do is not only to apply mathematics to solve musical mysteries, but in my songwriting, I also like to apply musical tricks that I've deduced from the Beatles' work and and other songs, some of the best songs that I've analyzed, into my own songwriting. And so some of these musical tricks are really mathematical tricks, and I guess the best songwriters and the best musicians incorporate them naturally. And what I've been trying to do is note them explicitly and trying to make a conscious effort to include them in my songwriting with the hope not that people will recognize the mathematics that's there, but they will just recognize that it's aesthetically pleasing. And and I saw a video of you playing uh, a million wise. It looks like you were having a lot of fun. 
Oh, I have a tremendous amount of fun when I play music. It's something uh, that I did as an undergraduate. I used to play professionally, and I, I do less so uh, these days. So I'm getting back into my songwriting. And I think one of the influences that has been coming to the front is my mathematics, and I've just been exploring that more and embracing it rather than uh, trying to push it aside and say my music is separate from my mathematics. I think what might make my music more interesting is to combine the two. Just as writing a, a nice mathematical proof will make me happy, writing a good song will also make me happy. And uh, I like bring that joy to my music and to my mathematics. Jason, is there anything else you'd like to add? No, I just want to encourage everyone to see the possibilities that are out there for combining their mathematical life with their non-mathematical life and just to explore the possibilities because it is those connections that make each one of us unique. And those are the things that, that we should explore. Jason, thank you very much. We'll close with a million whys in the background. That's Jason Brown, professor in the Department of Mathematics and Statistics on the Faculty of Computer Science at Dalhousie University in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Jason, thanks very much. You're welcome, Mike.